to Proper Charlie, the weekly podcast by me, Charlie Murray. It's all about my thoughts on the last seven days. There's music, people I've seen, literature, and so much more. It's time to share Proper Charlie's thoughts with you. So, welcome along and enjoy the next 30 minutes with me, a right proper Charlie. Another week has gone washing by. Here I am once again to talk you through my weekly musical journey with notes on notes. The first album I want to talk about this week is Yellow Brick Road by Elton John. I go through phases with Elton John's music. Sometimes I really love it and sometimes I just don't fancy it. I suppose that's the same for a lot of people when it comes to a lot of different music. Earlier this week, whilst I was shuffling through my record collection, trying to decide what to listen to next, this album fell into my lap. I don't know if it was just a coincidence, or if there's a ghost going through my record collection, choosing what albums it wants to hear next, but either way, I decided to stick it on. I hadn't listened to Elton John for some time, and I'd almost forgotten just how fantastic he is. I saw him in Liverpool in 2009, and it was a brilliant performance. He's one of those performers that sounds just as good live as he does on any of his albums, and especially these days, in a world of autotune, that's a very rare thing. Or so it seems to me, at least. Elton John is an English singer, songwriter and composer. He's also one of the best-selling singers of all time. Yellow Brick Road is the seventh studio album by Elton John, released in 1973. I think this is one of the best Elton John albums of all time. It's an absolute masterpiece. This album was actually one of the first albums I ever added to my record collection when I started collecting in my teens. It was a gift from my mum, from her own record collection. It's been a very well-loved and much-played album over the years, and so the sleeve is well and truly faded and falling apart, and the album skips and jumps around at times, but I'd never replace it, because that just adds to the enchanting listening experience, in my opinion. This album features some of the greatest songs that Elton John and Bernie Taupin wrote together. Songs such as Candle in the Wind, which was written in memory of Marilyn Monroe, a woman I admire greatly. Marilyn Monroe was an American actress, model and singer in the 1940s and 50s, as well as being one of the most iconic sex symbols of all time. She died of an overdose, aged 36, and Candle in the Wind tells her life story beautifully. Loneliness was tough, the toughest role you ever played. Hollywood created a superstar, and pain was the price you paid. In 1997, Elton John performed Candle in the Wind with new lyrics written by Bernie Taupin at the funeral of Princess Diana. Goodbye, England's rose, from a country lost without your soul, who'll miss the wings of your compassion 
more than you will ever know. He later went on to release the Princess Diana version as a single with all proceeds going to support charities the princess had supported in her lifetime, which I think is a really lovely thing to do, especially when you consider that the single is still one of the best-selling singles of all time. Another fantastic song that Elton John and Bernie Taupin wrote is the title track of this album, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Elton John performed this song when we saw him in 2009 and it reduced me to tears. To this day I get chills thinking about it. There was something incredible about the pure emotion with which he sang the song. It was as though it were new and the emotions of it all were still very real and very raw for him. It was phenomenal. A true showman indeed. Talking of 2009 and True Showmen, that was the year we lost one of the greatest ever showmen, Michael Jackson. His album, This Is It, which is a posthumous compilation album of all of Jackson's best hits and a few previously unheard songs, was released in 2009 as an accompaniment to a DVD showing the rehearsals for what was to be Michael Jackson's final tour. But since he died before the tour began, the DVD became more of an in-memoriam piece. But I'm not particularly bothered about the DVD, but this is a great album. Growing up, I was never really a fan of Michael Jackson. I didn't dislike him, to be completely honest. I just didn't know anything about him or his music. I remember hearing Billie Jean on the radio a lot as a kid especially when I was in France. I recall my stepmom turning the radio up and singing and dancing along, but apart from those moments, he wasn't really around much. It sounds awful, but it wasn't until he announced his final tour that I started exploring his music. I remember it being all over the news that Michael Jackson was coming to London for a two-month residency at the O2 Arena. There was, understandably, so much hype surrounding it all, and it piqued my interest. Why was there so much hype over this frail-looking man standing at a press conference at the O2 Arena shouting, This is it! A reference to the fact that this was to be his final ever tour, and his final ever time in London. I started exploring his music and I was actually embarrassed that I hadn't paid all that much attention to it previously. It was amazing and I couldn't stop listening, watching and just absorbing as much of his music as I possibly could. I really began to admire Michael Jackson's work ethic as my exploration continued. The way that he gave absolutely everything to his music at times, to the detriment of others, and other areas of his life, it was just incredible. His love for what he did really shone through in everything, and that is a truly wonderful thing. Sadly, three months after the tour announcement, Michael Jackson died, and so what was billed as the greatest and most anticipated comeback tour of all time never came to be. It's such a great loss. 
He was only 50, and that's no age at all these days. I mean, look at Willie Nelson. 85 years old and still working just as hard as he ever did, and showing no signs of slowing down either. It's amazing. This Is It features a selection of Michael Jackson's biggest hits. Wonderful songs such as The Way You Make Me Feel, which was once sung to me by a busker in Central Park, New York, as I stood watching him perform. A memorable experience indeed. Every time I hear that song, I can't help but smile as I remember how special that busker made me feel. Sometimes a stranger can really brighten your day up. Has anything like that ever happened to you? My favourite song from this album is Earth Song. It's one of the most stunning songs that really showcases many of Michael Jackson's talents, in particular his voice. It shows it off beautifully. This song has such an important message behind it too, reminding us all how important it is to look after our planet, but it's done in such a socially conscious way that it doesn't feel like it's preaching at us like some people tend to do with their political or environmentally motivated songs. The lyrics of Earth Song are just divine. Did you ever stop to notice all the blood we've shed before? Did you ever stop to notice this crying earth, these weeping shores? Aren't they lovely? I think they're so emotive. That's beautifully tragic imagery of the earth and its shores crying. The way in which Michael Jackson sings as well, as though he might burst into tears at any time, is stunning. It's such an emotionally charged song, and I just can't get enough of it. Which is your favourite Michael Jackson song? I'd love to know. I'd also love to know if there's anyone else out there who didn't discover the genius of Michael Jackson until much later, like me. Get in touch and let me know. Stranger of the Week, could it be you? I don't have one particular stranger this week. I have a bunch of them. I don't go to many parties, to be honest, but when I do, I always have a horrible shaky feeling as I walk into a room, especially when I don't know many of the people there. I'm sure I'm not alone on that one. On Saturday, I went to such a party, held by my friend's boyfriend. It was a cold evening, and the original plan of a garden party organised in an attempt to hold on to summer for as long as possible, was switched to a gathering in a small conservatory. It turned out to be a good thing, as everyone crammed in like sardines. Despite my nerves, I wasn't able to sit in a corner, sipping my drink and nibbling a few Pringles. It was too small. What I found interesting was studying the clothes that the guests were wearing. How many times did they get changed before making their final decision? Yes, I know it's a bit of a girly thing to do, to wonder, but I loved my mind wandering as I scanned the room. 
You could tell that people had all really made an effort for this party, and it was fascinating to see. I noticed something really interesting too. The number of women that weren't wearing bras. I personally prefer not to wear a bra because I find it to be far more comfortable and freeing. But I was really surprised by how many other women weren't wearing bras that night either. I began playing a game in my head, Hunt the Nipple. That may sound really odd, but I loved it. Searching out the lovely, confident ladies who didn't mind showing off the most sensitive parts of their body. I really admire women that aren't afraid to show off like that. It's something society tells us we shouldn't do. And so to be in a room with some others, like-minded, no cares given women, was fantastic. This all sounds a bit stupid, I know, but my game meant I wouldn't walk over and chat to any woman who wasn't showing off her nipples. Weird, you're not kidding. Fun, you bet it was. Try it sometime. Literally Literature, my weekly adventure through the literary world. This week I've been so busy working that I felt as though when I sat down of an evening to read, I wanted to read a friendly book that I already knew. One that feels like coming home every time I read it. And so I read Pride and Prejudice. Some people think that I'm mad rereading books. I've read so many times before, especially when you consider that there are already so many incredible books out there that I'll never find the time to read in my lifetime, even if it were a thousand years long, because writers will always write and books will just keep on coming. Why would I waste my time rereading books? But to me, an old book can be just as comforting as an old friend sometimes, and so I do still from time to time, revisit my old favourites, just to stop by and say hello. Pride and Prejudice is a novel by Jane Austen. It was set in 1813, but the moral of the book is just as relevant today as it ever was. It follows Elizabeth Bennet through her life as she grows as a woman and tries to find her place in the world as a strong, determined woman in a time when women weren't allowed, really, to be so strong. Elizabeth is one of five sisters, all of whom are expected to marry well and support their family thereafter. They are expected to marry men, even if they don't really want to, so that the family may be secure. Elizabeth especially is expected to marry her father's cousin, so that her parents may keep their farm. She refuses and is ostracised by her mother for it, for being branded a selfish girl. Love conquers all in the end and reigns supreme as she follows her heart. 
after a battle with her emotions and previous prejudices and it's just such a wonderful story. There are a lot of lessons in this book too. It teaches about not judging a person based on first opinions alone, the importance of staying strong and holding your own, and most importantly, the importance of love and how it is love, not money, that matters most in relationships. Although, it's no great disappointment if he does earn 10000 a year. <laughs> that always makes me chuckle. Mr Darcy was the wealthiest man in the book, earning 10000 a year. But in today's money, that's less than the national minimum wage. <laughs> it's funny how it all changes. I first read this book when I was in high school. I had a really great English teacher who would often recommend books for me to read and she told me that if I loved Jane Eyre then I would love Pride and Prejudice as well and I have to say she was right. A couple of years ago Hank Green adapted Pride and Prejudice into an online video diary series called The Lizzie Bennet Diaries. It's such a brilliant take on this classic novel as it puts Lizzie in the present day world and highlights, as I said earlier, how the struggles Elizabeth and her family face in 1813 are just as relevant today. What's your favourite classic novel? I'd love to know. I'd also love to know your thoughts on rereading books. Are you somebody who rereads a book multiple times? Or do you read it once and call it a day? Get in touch and let me know. That's it for this week's episode of Proper Charlie. I can't believe we're seven episodes in already. It's just flying by. I'd love to hear all about your week, what you've been up to, and of course, your thoughts on this episode. Get in touch on Twitter at PropperCharlieM or Instagram at PropperCharliePodcast and let me know. 